All right. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, happy holidays time. Should we say happy holidays time or should we go Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Festivus, whatever time of day it is, whatever holiday you're celebrating, it's the right time for the Govals 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope you're having a good Friday morning out there, unless it's Friday afternoon or Friday evening or maybe even Saturday morning, maybe Saturday afternoon. You're heading over to Thompson Bowling Arena to watch the Tennessee Volunteers basketball team play the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. The first Gamecocks Tennessee will see this season, but but not the not the last Gamecocks. But I, you know, here's the thing, guys. I, I don't care what team Tennessee's playing right now. Uh, it, it's a, it's a struggle. It, it's been a rough rough four days for the Tennessee basketball team. Rough week for the Vols coming off of that break from finals. Just hadn't hadn't looked very good. And since it's basketball time in Tennessee, it's also time for me to bring in Grant Ramey, coworker from the from the. Uh, I guess we're gonna go ahead. We've decided it's the Blunt County uh, Satellite Office there in Maryville, Tennessee. If I can get this technology working, what's up, Grant? I'm here. Uh, is the technology gone the way of Tennessee basketball the last week? I tell you, our our, our technology for this podcast, uh, this particular episode, ha- has been a struggle. Uh, y- y- I hope the quality of it's okay. I'm gonna have to go back and edit some of that, but uh, basically. Uh, us, we, we spent 30 minutes trying to get this thing set up. Normally, it takes about 30 seconds. It's the kind of thanks a uh, lot, Steve Jobs. Yeah, way to go, Steve Jobs from the afterlife. Gonna go ahead and ruin everything for us, but, anyways, uh, the point is that our technology is struggling just like the Tennessee basketball team. Unfortunately, Grant and I were up in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, watching Tennessee play the Cincinnati Bearcats on Wednesday night, a game that I think most of us thought Tennessee would win. Uh, instead, Tennessee goes home with a 78-66 loss. Uh, good news, Grant, the Vols looked a little bit better on offense for parts of that game, but uh, bad news, that was as poor as I've seen Tennessee play defense in a while. I think you and I were talking about this on the the way back to Knoxville. I, I can't remember the last time I saw Tennessee play that disappointingly on defense. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean – Go back to, to go back to Memphis and, and only you know giving up 51 points and uh, as bad as they were on offense in that game as ugly as that game was you kind of hung your hat you you left hanging your hat on defense and, and this team is good enough defensively to, to keep itself in just about any game regardless of uh, how cold they are shooting or, or what's going on in the offensive end and then you go to Cincinnati uh, and like Rick Barnes talked about they were awful I mean that was the word he used that's a pretty good description they were awful back cuts uh going under screens with shooters i mean all the stuff that barnes ran through after the game uh when you combine that like you wrote in your column when you combine that with uh the offense that's going on right now feels like a i mean a a week ago they were a seven and what seven and one basketball team everything was vibing right going into memphis and they've uh, they're suddenly you know skidding slumping whatever it feels like a kind of a full-blown identity crisis you never know what you're going to get from whoever's on the floor on either end of the floor. I mean, they couldn't even run a play uh, at Cincinnati without Rick Barnes having to take a timeout and say, 
are you guys kidding me? Why didn't you run the play I just called? So who knows what's going on, but they are struggling hard. Yeah, and, and here, here was the, the, the most disappointing thing to me. And, and again, what we're going to do, we're going to do what we've done with the past couple of podcasts. We're going to have three segments to this thing. Grant and I are going to talk a little bit about Cincinnati, that game. And then the second segment, we're going to hear from Tennessee coach Rick Barnes. And then we're going to wrap it up with us talking about kind of the future and some other things. Although I think the first and third segments of this are probably going to be kind of a hodgepodge of just trying to figure out what it is that we're watching right now. And I'll tell you, Grant, here to me was the, the most concerning part. Like, I, it's basketball, and it's it, – this is not football. You, you need to be playing – you need to win enough games to get to the tournament, then you need to be playing your best basketball when you get to the tournament. You know, I mean, we all know how Kentucky with John Calipari recruits every year, and that, that team's already had a couple of – one truly embarrassing loss and one kind of bad loss. You, you know, had another one the same night Tennessee did. So – these things happen if you get enough good wins, and I think it's important to remember that Tennessee has more good wins than bad losses right now, uh, in my opinion. I mean, I, and I don't even know, at Cincinnati, it's not a good loss, but it's not really a terrible loss. That's not an incompetent team. And, and I think Tennessee's loss to Memphis wasn't necessarily a bad loss when you look at numbers and, and Ken Palm rankings and all those things, even though it was at home. Uh, and, and certainly going down to a neutral Side and losing to Florida State's not a deal breaker. This team's already beaten a couple of ranked teams, so I think perspective is important here. But but the concerning thing to me, first off, is that they're doing things poorly that they weren't doing even like a couple weeks ago, and, and that is that's concerning because if Tennessee had done this maybe against like Washington and then gone to Cincinnati and played better, that would have made more sense to me. Uh, it doesn't make sense this way. So that that that's one concerning thing. But the most concerning thing to me was Tennessee on Saturday got humbled a little bit. Uh, Memphis came in there and gave Tennessee uh, a, a, a loss that a lot of us just weren't expecting. I certainly didn't expect it. But the, the thing that bothered me is in that game, Tennessee saw that you can play some of the worst offensive basketball that James Naismith's beautiful game has ever seen. But if you play defense – you can still keep yourself in the game. And these guys learned that lesson. They still had every chance in the world to beat Memphis, even though they couldn't make a shot. And then just four days later, you go on the road and your veteran players, guys who have been really good defensive players throughout their career, are the ones breaking down defensively. That, to me, is what set off some alarm bells, like what's going on. Yeah, and it's – I mean, coming out of that Memphis game – uh, that was a pretty tough film session. Uh, there was there was a lot of soul searching and uh, very you know direct to the point. Um, Rick Barnes going after these guys, challenging his veterans. Um, he said Monday was the most serious he's seen Jordan Bowden in his four years at Tennessee, which would uh, which would mean steps in the right direction. Like he's going to be more of the player that you're expecting, more aggressive. Uh, attacking the basket, all that stuff. Uh, and and kind of what he was hinting at when he was talking about this, I think it was on Vol Calls Monday night, was they tore into them and they responded in practice on Monday. And, and he said he felt like the preparation was good uh, leading up to Cincinnati. And then they go up there, and the first possession, Lamonte Turner goes under a screen uh, on a shooter on the perimeter. He makes a three. Uh, the next possession... Eve Pons didn't really step out, didn't even really get a hand in the shooter's face. He makes another three, just like that. It's 6-0. Uh, Tennessee, I think, misses a three. and They come back down and get two free throws. It's 8-0. I mean, from the start, it was like your veterans 
uh, were letting you down. And 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 at the end of the game, when Cincinnati went on that 9-0 run that, that turned a one-point game into a 10-point game, uh, and it was over when that happened, it was, you know, Jordan Bowen, uh, Jordan Bowden going one on five and dribbling it off his leg. And, I mean, it's just all this stuff. It's It's so many things you can point to right now but it really i mean it does start with lamonte turner jordan bow neve pond sean fulkerson that's the crazy thing i don't know if that seven and one start kind of lulled them into a uh sense of security i believe that's what you asked rick parnes about after the game uh wednesday night Uh, i don't know maybe they thought they were just going to kind of keep on that trajectory that this program's been on the last two years uh, but this is obviously a totally different team. This is a team that's going to struggle like this at times. Uh, but I don't think anybody saw it kind of happening this quickly after that start. Just uh, it, maybe it's aberration. Maybe it's a really bad week. Maybe they snap out of it and, and play some good basketball over the next week or two uh, leading into the SEC play. But, I mean, there, it's just such, such a long list of things you can pick from of, of what's going wrong right now and, and how do they even fix it. Yeah, here's here's what's interesting to me is that we could make a list probably, if you gave us just a second, we could probably list 10 things that just don't make a lot of sense right now. And at any given time, Tennessee could have a couple, or, you know, two or three of those things happening, and it's still okay because some of the other things are going right and nothing's ever perfect and you just make it work. This is like almost everything that can go wrong at one time going wrong. And and that always, when that happens, when it gets kind of Murphy's Law, you start wondering, okay, wait, how did this happen? And the only thing I can think of, Grant, here's here's the only thing I can think of, is that, and that's why I asked Rick Barnes about that false sense of security. I, I think it's possible, and again, this is one theory. That there are probably a million other theories out there, and they have just as good a chance of being right. But what makes the most sense to me is that this team, when it came out there with that 7-1 and one start, and then it goes into a break for, for exams, they're feeling pretty good. And I wonder if they just kind of forgot how they have to play the game. And, and what I mean by that is there are a couple things with this team that have to be non-negotiable non-negotiable this team has to play defense it has to play good sound defense it has to swarm it has to you know kind of go to the ball it has to to be sound defensively and if it doesn't do those things it's almost definitely going to lose to any pretty good team it plays Uh, but if they'll play defense they can beat just about anybody and that to me early in the season they were making some shots I think Grant you mentioned something about how you know, maybe six of the first eight games or something like that, the the, the shooting numbers were, were pretty good. Uh, and, and the other two, they just weren't very good. And, and I wonder if that kind of lulled this team into thinking it could play like it has at times the past couple of years where you mess around here or there, but it's okay because when you need it, you're going to go out, score them, and you're going to make the plays, and you're going to win. And I think right now it's kind of coming at them fast, and, and they're just kind of maybe forgetting who they are. And that's that's correctable. I don't see anything in this list of things that that's not correctable, and we'll talk more about that later. But but right now we're talking about what's happening, and I, I can't help but think that maybe they just forgot how they have to play the game. Yeah, and and it, it feels like a, a trickle down effect. Like you know, Lamonte Turner hasn't shot the ball well all season. Um, his numbers are, I mean, horribly low. I mean, down almost ten, twelve percent from his you know career percentages, and obviously his shoulders. 
bothering him and and he was in st louis you know during that break to to see a specialist and i mean that's the links they're going to try to fix this uh but even earlier in the season when when he was you know shooting at the same clip he is now he would have a 14 assist game a 12 assist game eight assists whatever i mean he's got 12 assists total over the last three games uh and he's made you know six shots and he's shot you know like 25 i mean that that's I think that gets down to trusting your teammates and trying to create. I don't know how much that's on Lamonte. I don't know how much that's on his teammates not doing enough to to help him. Uh, but when Lamonte's out of the picture, they're going to focus on Jordan Bowden. Uh, when Jordan Bowden's not doing much, they can go focus on Eve Pons. I mean, Eve Pons has, you know, he was one of the most consistent scorers over the first five, six games. He was that guy that kind of took pressure off those two veterans uh, in the backcourt. And now he's gone missing a little bit. Um you know, not consistently kind of the three-point threat that this team needs that he was early on. Uh, John Fulkerson's been productive, but he's not really, you know, 40 minutes durable. I mean, you can tell when he gets worn out. You can tell when he's sucking wind in the second half and uh, shooting turnarounds and stuff instead of trying to really attack the rim. I, I think you can just kind of start from the bottom, uh, top and work your way down of, of, you know, what's gone wrong with each player uh, and how do they fix it. Uh, Lamonte Turner's... Got to get get back to an eight assist guy or whatever, something like that. Whatever his average is, uh, Lamont, uh, Jordan Bounds got to hit some shots. Eve Pond's got to hit some shots, and, and John Fulkerson's got to do stuff in the second half that he's done in the first half. And I don't know, maybe that's you know four places to start with these veterans that that Rick is challenging so much. Yeah, I think it's important to remember before we step away for break here. I think that there are two things that are equally important, and they both need to be given kind of the same level of of attention. The first thing is this is not all Lamonte Turner's fault. I I, want to be really clear about that. Lamonte Turner could be playing the way he's playing and this team could still be playing better around him. He doesn't need to be a scapegoat. I don't think it's just him. That's the first thing. But the second thing is it absolutely starts with Lamonte Turner. He is the head of the snake with this team. He is their alpha. He is their leader. And it does... if that makes sense, like I, I don't think you can put everything on him, but I think everything does start with him. And and if he's if he's going to struggle like this, if this is kind of the player that he has to be for the rest of the season, that would be really unfortunate. But if that's what he is, then they have to start thinking about who else can step up and do some things to help because he can't just carry them with the way he's playing now because he he's not capable of doing it right now. No, and, and, and he's also an easy target. I mean, you're shooting 25%. Uh, you're shooting 8, 10 times a game. You're hardly making anything. Uh, you know, he turns the ball over a lot because he's trying to do a ton. Um, you know, he's the guy that gets the ball late in the shot clock, and everybody just stands there like, go create something, do something with the ball. Uh, I mean, he had 12 points in the second half. I think he was a minus 22, which is absolutely awful. Cincinnati, obviously, Um but the dude, you know, goes out there every night and, and plays, you know, 38, 39 minutes. Hard uh, minutes, too. Hard minutes. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he plays hard. And I don't know. He's stuck, in, he's stuck in a bad situation. He's not playing well, but nobody else is playing well around him. He's just kind of the head of the snake. Yeah, and that's what I think it's important to remember is that it, it does – these both of these things can be true. It's not all his fault, but it all does start with him. And that is – kind of it, it, it is I hate to say this this is an old trope it sucks but it kind of is what it is and they need to figure out if he can get through this and play better then okay then everything else maybe starts falling into place 
or uh, if this is what it's going to be like for a while, then they're going to have to figure out how to adjust to that. So we're going to sort of, I guess, marinate on that one. We're going to step away for a break. We're going to pay some bills, listen to some products and services and in-house ads and all those other fun things. And then we're going to come back and we're going to hear from Rick Barnes. And then after we hear from Rick Barnes, we're going to go back to break, pay some more bills and do all that. And then we're going to come back and and have a little bit more discussion and wrap this thing up. But when it comes back from break, you'll be hearing from Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes, who is not a a happy man in this interview. And and you'll hear that. Hashtag Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. And, I, and, and I'm really disappointed in our defensive breakdown. I mean, it's, and the way we did it, it was a, it was, a, I mean, it's came from our older guys too. That's the most disappointing thing. When you go on the road for the first time in a true, you know, home road game like this, you expect your older guys to really be the ones that that lead the way. And we didn't have any, we didn't have any leadership in terms of what we were trying to get done. And came out of timeouts twice, didn't execute what we wanted to, and. Uh, but defensively, the way we gave up baskets in the first half, back cut, dunk layups, guys that we're not even supposed to be out there, full body contesting, those type things, out of bounds situations, free throw blockouts, getting a rebound, losing the ball, those type situations. Uh, it's hard and it's tough because, again, I'm disappointed in the fact that we weren't tough enough to, to do better in terms of executing our, our game plan. Do you have any idea where that came from? I, mean, I don't. You know what? Uh, again, where I think it comes from, because, again, I thought we had really good preparation. And uh, But you know what? If guys go into the game with the wrong mindset, and, and, I mean, our offense, we I know this, and I'll in the tape will prove it. When we try to execute what we're trying to do, we're going to get some a good look out of it. But when guys stop the ball from moving, when guys start thinking, okay, i got to go do it myself, uh, we, we don't have a team like that. We don't. And if it takes more of these losses to prove it to them, that's what will happen. But uh, we've, we've got to be a team. We, we don't have one guy we can rely on that we're going to go get a basket. But as a team, we, we've proven that we can stop good basketball teams or, or certainly not give them the baskets. We, I mean, they shot 60% and uh, first half, and we were still there. We were still there. But, uh, but again, you can't have the breakdowns that we had on the defensive end. And the, the older guys – they, they've got to set a better tone for our younger guys. What's this team's identity on offense at this point? Do you have one? Do what? Do you have an offensive identity on this team at this point? No, because, again, uh, we've had too many guys trying to do too many too many things. And, again, and that's what we worked on for two days. And we told her, uh, again, we told her they will play in, in a game like we do in practice. We'll be fine. And 
and we don't do it because uh, guys get caught just simple simple plays, a simple play there at the end of the game when we needed to foul 33, and Eve just let the guy we wanted to foul had a chance to get the ball. Those those plays occur on the offensive end too, where guys have a chance to have advantage basketball and. And then Jordan Bowden came down, went one against five at a critical time, and uh, that's Phil. And uh, but we've got to. But if you ask me that, you know, I, I don't. I, I then because I'm sitting there on the bench wondering what's what's going to happen next, and, and that's where we've got to get better. Fulky, great the first half. And did they do something different the second half? He just kind of. I mean, he only yeah. took three shots until that. Well, again, well, again, he. Uh, he didn't, but but his biggest thing is again when he gets the ball slapped away, he's got to quit dribbling the ball and pick it up with two hands. You know, possession over over trying over position, but uh, he didn't. And again, again, a lot of it had to do. They just went to work on him inside on the other end, and he was flopping around and not playing great defense, uh, early early defense, and they were burying him deep. And but uh, he uh, again. Uh, he wasn't nearly as good, and we were wanting to get him the ball. But when he gets tired, he's, he's, he doesn't show the aggressiveness he needs. He's going to do a fadeaway shot, and as opposed to trying to put the fifth foul on 33, or, or you know, in that situation is what he should have been doing. When did you when did you start being concerned with the defense tonight? The start of the game, we kept telling them, we got what are we having? You know, they're shooting 60 percent, and uh, we had their two best players they could count on in foul trouble. And then, but we we did some really. Things that are mind-boggling, where you, you know, you don't go under. We went under a guy that we know that all he can do is shoot, and then uh, shot clock winding down three seconds, two seconds, and you go under. I mean, shot clock down at two, you can't give anybody at this level a wide open shot. Anybody's capable of making it. But I could go through it all. But the, the bottom line is, it was our old, it was our older guys who played enough basketball to know that they can't, they shouldn't do that. Jaron Cumberland struggled early and had some baskets late. What do you think? Was like well, again, we, that's what we're talking about. They, they, we didn't guard him. You know, he made a, he threw in one there from you know deep when we just let the clock go down and just got to get a shot up. And but uh, again, I'm, I don't want to take anything away from Cincinnati. I think they played hard, uh, and it's hard when you think you get outplayed and in all areas. And I thought they outplayed us in all areas. Yeah. And, and then Cumberland uh, had struggled recently. Right. Did that impact your game plan at all? Yeah. Do what? Cumberland had struggled a bit over the past few games. Did that impact? No, we game no. Plan? I mean, he's a preseason player of the year. Right? Yes. So, I mean, so you're going to, you prepare for guys that are preseason player of the year. Were those, were those both flop? Was it a flop warning? The, and first, flop the first one is an absolute charge. I don't care what anybody says. You, you can't hit a guy three times. Lamontes was a, definitely a flop. There, but the first one was a – I mean, there can't be a better charge. And he can't play any better defense. But you can't get hit three times and a referee call a flop. You can't. You can't. I mean, I just watched it. I just watched it. I mean, there is no way. I mean, there was nothing else Eve Ponce could have done. And I guess Eve Pond's usually one of the better defenders. Well, he got too. again. I mean, he, can't, he can't guard it any better. He can't. He can't guard any better. I mean, how many? I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm all for flopping, but Eve Pond's is not a flopper. Now Lamonte flopped. He he did flop because if you don't take the hit, it's a flop. But Eve, Eve Pond's, you know, again that 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 was a. Tough one, it really was. Devontae, big minutes, gave you some stuff in the first half. He just got to calm down. He's trying to do too much on the offensive end where he gets going too fast. He took a tough shot in the corner. That's, I mean, that's not what we need him to do. And and he can help us. He really can, but he's going to have to slow down. The message after the Washington game was kind of following a scouting report and winning. Do you have any idea why you're not – they're not no, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't. Um, again, like I called that one timeout. I didn't do anything other than the, we came out of a timeout to call the run specific play, and we didn't run it. And uh, that's why I called that timeout. I said, Are you guys kidding me? 
and that's where we were. But again, that goes back to our older guys and the leadership. They should be saying, hey, we know what we have to do here and do it. And we didn't do it. And uh, I got to do a better job with them and helping them, obviously, because right now they haven't shown that they can do it. So that's on me. Is it possible that there may have been some kind of a false sense of security with these guys after starting pretty well to the season? And well, it could be. You ask them that. I don't know if it is. If it is, we're getting ready to get it knocked out of us. You know, I mean, I told them that. If it's going to take a couple more games, I mean, E. Pons can't give up an offensive rebound at a critical time. He can't. And that's, I mean, he can't do it. He can't do it. You know, doesn't know what we're doing. Doesn't know how, you know, those, those, I mean, he's been here long enough to understand he's got to, he, he's got to do that. Lamonte, back cut layups. Jordan Bowden, can't go under screens. I mean, you, you go down the line. I mean, uh, Folky, can't let a guy much heavier and bigger back him down position wise. You, you just, you can't do it. One more. You know, you, you've been with some of these veterans for several years now. I mean, do you expect them to respond to Yeah, this? oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be disappointed if they don't. I mean, I, I don't think that's in their makeup. And, again, teams go through it. And, again, we put this together, this schedule together, knowing that we could be in this situation, knowing that, you know, we could sit at home and do more bye games. But we said we're going to find out what we can do early and see if we can work through the situations we're going to have to work through whether it's winning or losing because we, we look at we scrub them out the same way and uh, we'll go back and look at this and get ready so we can get better ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you're not uh, morally, ethically spiritually, contractually obligated uh, to listen to those commercials. You can always hit the fast forward button. But for those people who listen to them, we appreciate it. It helps us at CBS Sports, helps us at 24-7 Sports, helps us at Go Balls 24-7. And who knows, this holiday season, it, it might even help you. Grant, before we finish this up uh, and talk a little more Tennessee basketball, are you done with your Christmas shopping list yet or your holiday shopping list? Uh, no, not yet. Almost. Um, usually take the kids out uh, at some point in – say, hey, what do you think your mom will want? And it usually comes out with some creative solutions. So that's always fun. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because, uh, you know, you just grow up and you just always say Merry Christmas. So now it's like you, you, you marry someone whose name was Goldberg and you say, hey, uh, okay, well, happy holidays. Because <laughs> it depends on who you're, ta- who you're talking to, uh, what part of the family, and, uh, you know, you work all, all through that. So, yeah, just uh, – and we're joking about it, but seriously, happy holidays to everyone out there. I think got just about all this shopping done, so so that's a, that's a good thing. But back to Tennessee basketball here, obviously the Vols on a two-game losing streak, which has not happened a considerable amount the past couple of years. Um, and, and they've got some, some, some answers that they're going to have to find. And here's what I want to talk about now, Grant. 
we know that Rick Barnes in some ways is a patient man, but in many other ways, many more ways, he is not a very patient man. Uh, he's not a guy who just is okay with the status quo when the status quo isn't working. So what I'm wondering is when you look at the lay of the land, let, let's just say that, okay, Uros Plasic, let's just assume he's just not going to be able to play. Let's just throw that out and say probably not going to be able to play. If anything changes there, that would be, you know, almost like a miracle at this point. Uh, the second thing is that they do have, hopefully, they, they hope to get, um, you know, Santiago Viscovi, the, um, uh, the Uruguayan uh, signing that they've got. They're going to get him in mid-year, and he's physically very impressive. He's a kid who might be able to step in, help in the backcourt. Uh, so maybe he's able to help. But let's just assume, since he's a freshman and he plays for Rick Barnes, and we know how Rick Barnes is with point guards, let's just assume that anything you get from him is a bonus. So let's look at what they have right now. How many options do they really have, and what can they really change? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, they're at this point, you know, Lamonte is what he is, not playing well, but he's still playing 39 minutes a game. Like, you know, everybody wants to say, well, just rest the kid, you know, give him a break, uh, give him a couple games to try to, you know, find something, rest his shoulder a little bit, come back. Maybe he's back to himself a little bit, but they just can't afford that. I mean, uh, they need Josiah James on the wing because apparently they don't trust Jalen Johnson because he can't get minutes. Um, so you, you have to have a three there. Um, obviously, if Josiah is there, he can't play point guard. You don't have any other option there with Monte Turner. So you're stuck there. Uh, Jordan Bowden, maybe he could run the point some. He's, he's brought the ball up, obviously, a little bit in these games. But you got to have him off the ball. Uh, Eve Pond, I mean, you know, the, the list goes on. I don't know how many options they have because – how thin this roster is, uh, not only on experience, but on bodies. Uh, the, what you see is kind of, you know, what you get with this group right now. And I don't know, Rick Barnes is going to, you know, shuffle lineups, do whatever he can. He's going to move as many pieces around as he can, but you know, there haven't been a lot of moving pieces right now. Cause I don't know how many options he has and, and kind of, this is the, the hand he's dealt and these are the, you know, the cards he's got to play. So I don't know how many options he does have. I mean, I, w I would love to see Josiah James go back to point guard full-time and see if he's a better facilitator uh, and stuff like that. But I, I just don't know if that's uh, an option that, that Rick believes in at this point. Yeah, and I think one telling thing to me, and this is something that you can pick up when you're at a game in person and more so than you can on TV. You know, in some ways, you can see more on TV because you get more replay angles and other things like that. But there are some things you just kind of have to be – in the arena and in that kind of environment to really see. And there was one really telling moment to me during the game. Uh, if you'll go back and, and watch, I don't know what exactly when it was, but there was a time when uh, Olivier Comois threw, had a really kind of bad turnover. I don't know if, uh, if, if he zigged and the other person zagged, but it was a pass into nowhere. And, you know, he'd already turned the ball over once. And he had just kind of a rough 30-second or so stretch there. And Rick Barnes had this natural instinct to go look down to the bench and just get somebody in there. Because you know what he does. He, we've seen we've seen this for years now. What he does is, let's say, you know, it was last year or whatever, a couple of years ago. You know, Jordan Bone screws up. He looks over Lamonte. Go in. You know, if get him out of there. You know, if Lamonte makes a mistake, hey Bone, go in there and get him. Get him out of there. And, and he kind of looked like he looked down the bench to do that, but then he saw Fulkerson kind of sucking wind and still trying to get his breath back because he'd just gone to the bench and he was looked at his staff like, well, I guess we're going to keep Olivier in there. And that, to me, was pretty telling because that that just gives you a snapshot of, of the reduced options they have right now. I don't think the sky's falling. 
And, you know, I think that when you look at what they've done the past couple of years, you look at the track record of this head coach and the staff, and you look at the, the pieces that are coming in next season, I think the health of the actual program is fine. Uh, you know, we knew that, that things like this could happen this season, and some of them are happening, and now we'll see how they respond to it. Um, but, but, but this is a real kind of a gut-check moment for them because I don't know the answers that they do have. The only thing I can think of – Maybe, and this is something that I know Barnes doesn't want to do, maybe you you cut back a little bit on Turner's minutes right now. You see if you can kind of get more out of him if you keep him out there for a little bit, you know, not as long, if, if you give him a little bit more rest. And if you do that, though, then you're moving either Bowden or uh, Josiah James to the point, and then you're giving more minutes to Gaines and, you know, to, to ticket Gaines and Jalen Johnson. And, and, and I, I still believe in Jalen Johnson, and I know there are several, several, several former Tennessee players who also really believe in Jalen Johnson, and that's kind of the mystery right now is very clearly Ticket Gaines has taken Jalen Johnson's minutes. He, he's going over there and he's drinking his milkshake, just kind of like Admiral Schofield did when he moved from the four to the three. I still think there's part of me that wonders – you know, Jalen Johnson goes out there. He plays just, I think, two minutes or something, two games ago. He plays four minutes against Cincinnati. Let Give him some more minutes and see what he does. I mean, his plus-minus numbers when he's been in there have not been bad. I know the kid has offensive talent. I, I, I just wonder what's going on there because I think when they're struggling offensively, I see why Barnes might want to keep his best defenders out there just to stay in the game. But – if you need some buckets, Grant, I still think this guy has a chance to give you some buckets. Yeah, I mean, that that's going to be a mystery until, you know, until this kid, I mean, he, he's already graduated. He graduated last week uh, until he finally starts getting some minutes or until he leaves as a graduate transfer. I mean, something's got to give here because it's it, this is the same question we've had for two and a half, almost three years now. Uh, I mean, and, and Devontae Gaines, you know, Lamonte Turner, somehow, after that horrendous game against Memphis, he has two fouls in the first two minutes and 14 seconds at Cincinnati. You know, how a fifth-year senior uh, gets himself in that position is just kind of a sign of kind of how much they're struggling right now. Yeah, it was a bad, but, bad, bad play on that charge. It was just a stupid right. play. But, uh, and, and when that happened, it's, it's you know, you're, you're pointing at one of those in-the-arena moments. You know, Devontae Gaines comes in and takes the ball up court uh, he, he replaces Lamonte on the floor and he takes the ball court and he almost turns it over uh, before he gets to the foul line. And, and if, if that had been Jalen Johnson, you would imagine he'd get pulled the next possession. He'd yes. get pulled uh, as soon as the next dead ball was. I, I don't know why there's not a trust level there. Um, you know, Rick, we're supposed to talk to Rick Friday afternoon uh, leading into that Jacksonville State game Saturday. I'm sure that'll be a, a question of, you know, as bad as this seems playing right now, how much worse could this kid being on the floor for 15 minutes make it? I mean, you don't have a ton of good options. Uh, as you just went over, uh, why not give this kid some more run? I, I don't know. Uh, at some point, the light bulb's either going to have to come on or it's never coming on. It's going to be off until he finds a new home or, or whatever happens. Because uh, right now, I feel bad for the kid. I don't I don't know what the disconnect is there, uh, but it's something. And, and apparently, there's, there's little to no trust level there uh, from Rick Barnes toward him. So... Uh, I don't know if we'll ever truly get to the bottom of it, but uh, that's where we are right now. Yeah, because, and again, you you might wonder why we're sitting here talking about this, and I think it's because, you know, people who have been around the program and and have been able to kind of watch the kid play know that he's got a bunch of talent. 
you know, he's a six foot seven left-handed guard who handles the ball pretty well. Uh, he's an extremely good athlete, like a Jordan Bowden level athlete, really, really quick, can soar. Um, you know, there have always been questions about, is he a good defensive player? Barnes says he's not. Some other former teammates think he's a pretty good, decent defensive player. But but something's weird. But, but here's here's the other thing, though. In an era where everybody leaves, this kid has stayed time after time after time when I thought, well, he's going to – surely he's going to leave now. Surely, surely he's going to leave. And he sticks around. So the kid's loyal. The kid believes in what they're trying to do here. He, he's obviously not a problem uh, with anybody as far as I can tell. Uh, but, you know, Zach Kent finally had enough and decided to leave. And, and at some point, Johnson's going to have to do the same thing. So I, I don't know. I'm just looking at the options they have. And we're sitting here trying to brainstorm like this staff probably is doing too, saying how can how can this get fixed? How can this get better? And and he's the name I keep going back to as, well, there's a guy who maybe could help. And I don't know how many of these other guys right now are ready to go in there and, and play bigger roles. I mean, you know, obviously Pember's a kid they believe in long term, and, and I do too. Uh, but, but do you want to give him a ton of minutes right now? I'm not sure that's what you want to do. Um, you're going to play him, but you're going to play him 30 minutes? I, I don't think so. Uh, and, and Johnson's a kid who he's been there for four years. He's been in their strength and conditioning program. He's a good athlete. He's just a name I keep getting back to is, well, if they're going to change it, maybe that's something to do. But I think it's more likely at this point that Barnes would give Gaines more minutes uh, if they decided to rest Turner a little bit because something is just clearly amiss there. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Drew Drew Pember's going to give you a couple good spurts, a couple good possessions. Uh, you know, he he took a shot in the lane at Cincinnati and he missed it, but he was the only one that chased the board and he got it and he scored. He, I mean, he can give you those kind of moments. You know, he, the the big dunk he tried to pull off against Memphis and you know get into the foul line, stuff like that. I, I don't know. I don't think they trust him at all defensively. I think he's got a ton of ground to make up there. Devonte, you know they like him. Uh, they keep saying how much of a surprise he is going back to the summer. Uh, you know he's probably going to give you some solid minutes. Uh, Olivier Camois, I mean he looks like a freshman right now. He's a guy that just kind of blends into the background. Of, you kind of only recognize him right now if something's going wrong. He has the game to do more, but we'll see. Right, right, and and it's it's a matter of how quickly uh, they can help him progress towards that because right now it seems like he's you know spinning his wheels after. Uh, some you know some moments that he had earlier in the season. So yeah, I mean they're out of options. I mean th- this this team is what it is. You, you knew coming into this season that this so many kids were gone from this. You know the 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 amount of success that they had the last two years. You know it, it's a shock to the system of Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden and Eve Pond and all these guys that have been here for a while. They got accustomed to winning, just like it's a shock to the system of Tennessee basketball fans who get used to, you know, winning a lot of basketball games. That was their first back-to-back losses uh, since December 30th, 2017, and I think January 3rd, 2018, when it was at Arkansas. They lost in overtime, then they came home and lost to Auburn uh, to start 0-2 in SEC play, and that started that 31-game home win streak. I mean, uh, people are – this roster is probably just as kind of dumbfounded as everybody else is to – how to fix this thing and how to snap out of it. Yeah, because I, and I want to be clear about this again. I don't want to, I'm not going to title this podcast, the sky's falling. Cause I, I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, and, and I think that if Tennessee players believe that, well then maybe it will start falling, but I think there's still a pathway for this team to play pretty good basketball. It just has to remember, 
you know, and you could say this about any team in any sport. You have to understand who you are and what you are, and, and you got to understand who you are not and what you are not. If you understand that, then you have an identity and you play to that identity, then you're going to have a chance to be competitive. This team has some good players. It has some very good players. But what it's going to have to be is I don't think there's just one, like, magic silver bullet that kind of fixes this whole thing. I think it's going to require, and this is the tough answer, it's going to require a little bit more from everyone. And it's going to require, that's what it's going to require. I mean, Jordan Bowden has to become the Jordan Bowden that people, including me and a lot of others, believe that he can be. I don't think he'll ever, he has the mindset to be like a total superstar, but he has game to be a really good player. And we've seen it before. So I think he's capable of pulling out of this and, and playing better. I think he'll start hitting shots soon enough and he'll be okay. Turner, we'll see. If he's just not healthy enough to do some things, then he's going to have to figure out who, what he can do and play to that. Go back to being the assist guy, as you said earlier. Fulkerson just got to keep getting in better shape so he can play more minutes because when he's active and being himself, he's a, he's a pretty good two-way player. Uh, Eve Pons has got to get his confidence back because clearly his confidence when he's, he's shooting, he's still being a little bit aggressive more than he has in the past, but he's not been aggressive as he was early in the season. He's got to get back to that. Uh, the freshmen have got to start growing up and making fewer freshman mistakes. I mean, you can go down the list and you can say with Rick Barnes, you know, he's got to get a better handle for this too because this is his team, right? I mean, this is a guy making uh, a ton of money uh, to fix this thing, and I think he's got a pretty darn good coaching staff too. So they have the ability – to go do this. Am I wrong, Grant? Because I, I I don't think, you know, I think it's easy to overreact to things. And while I think this is alarming, I don't think it's full-blown panic mode yet, or I don't think it should be. No, and, and they're not as bad as they've shown this week, I mean, as a whole. And they're not as good as maybe they were uh, against Washington uh, in, in a win like that. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what this team is now. I mean, it's peaks and valleys until further notice, uh, until they find some kind of, if they can ever establish some kind of consistency and find some kind of answer. Uh, and you're right. It does fall on Rick Barnes. And, and he kind of said that himself. I mean, you know, as mad as he was that he had to take uh, a timeout right after a timeout because his players couldn't even run the play that was called. He said, that's on him. Um, the fact that these guys can't even follow a scouting report at this point after following it, to such detail in the Washington game that that's what they wanted to talk about after the game was the scouting report and, and how much that made uh, the biggest difference in that game. Uh, I don't know where they've regressed in the last four weeks, why they can't do that. I mean, in, when we talked to Fulkerson about that play that Barnes was talking about, he said two players were trying to do one thing, two players were trying to do another thing, and the fifth player was just lost. I mean, that's a three-way failure uh, just to run a simple play. And I don't know if it's confidence issues or they're just kind of everybody struggling all at once. But Rick's going to be stubborn and keep going at these veterans and challenging them, you know, point blank because they got to fix this. They're, those are the guys that's got to lead the way and, and set the example one way or the other. Whether it's Lamonte, you know, scoring or facilitating, seems like he only has one option right now. Jordan Bowden attacking, being more aggressive, you know, getting more consistency from John Fulkerson first half to second half, you know, all that stuff. Eve Ponds hitting shots and, and being a confident offensive uh, player that he showed he was, you know, the first two, three weeks of the season. Uh, so, I mean, that's just kind of, you know, they're probably not as good as they showed against Washington. They're not as bad as they showed this week. It's a matter of how can they find the middle? How quickly can they get there? 
and, and how consistently can they be that? And before we step out of here, we will. You might say, "Why are we not saying anything about Jacksonville State?" Uh, well, I mean, it's Jacksonville State that that's part of it. But here's what's really interesting about Jacksonville State, Grant. I'm looking at this right now. Jacksonville State is four and seven, I believe, um, and it has it's got a couple of common opponents with Tennessee. It, it went to VCU and lost uh, ninety three to sixty five. Gross. Um, it went and played a Purdue team Tennessee's at least familiar with and lost 81 to 49. Uh, it played Chattanooga and, and lost 63 uh, to 60. Uh, and it's got some other games in here that are just woof. I mean, you know, at Georgia Mason, close loss. Okay, that happens. At Alabama A&M, you know, everyone will lose that game. They lost that game. Then they lose to Troy. And then all of a sudden – they host Evansville, a team that, you know, beat Kentucky earlier this year and beat that team 85-59. to 59. So good luck trying to figure out what's going on there. Uh, when I look at this schedule, I go, wait, what? So, I mean, this is a team that has won its past two games. It was 2-7, and seven, now it's 4-7. and seven. You know, beat, beat up on Evansville and then scored 92 points to beat Delaware State. So, so this is a team that can score the ball a little bit and – Right now, if you're Tennessee, I mean, you want this to be a get-right game, but you got you got to win that game, you know. Yeah, and, and as you know, Tennessee's got to fix itself first. I mean, Jacksonville State's a team, obviously, they should beat. Uh, but you know, like you pointed out, <laughs> Evansville can go to rough and win, and then turn around and and, and Jacksonville State can beat them uh, as badly as they beat them. I mean, and, and you look at Cincinnati too. I mean, they're coming off that really really bad loss to Colgate at home. Uh, the way that game ended, I think when you saw that, you thought maybe this is a chance for Tennessee to get some confidence back and, and go on the road and, and get a nice win and, and, and you kind of see how that played out. Uh, so, I mean, Tennessee, just kind of the, the level of broken they are right now over these last two games, they, they got to focus on themselves uh, so much that, you know, the, the opponent is what it is. You, you're right. This has to be a get-right game uh, and you have to take care of business because you are a better basketball team. Uh, than the one you're facing, uh, but Tennessee, I think their concern right now is, you know, holy crap, how do we fix this? How do we fix ourselves uh, at this point? Yeah, and Jacksonville State also has a transfer from uh, from Clemson, who a name some of y'all might remember a little bit. Ty Hudson uh, came from Clemson, originally originally from Baton Rouge. He's on that team, and there's a transfer from Xavier named Elias Harden on that team too. Uh, so. It's interesting. They've also got a couple of kids, uh, one from Czech Republic, one from Greece, who went to a place called Get Better Academy, which, you know. Uh, that, Hugh Travels with Stay Average Academy. Yeah, Get get Better, you know, what is it, good as the enemy of great academy, you know? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's that's interesting. But, uh, yeah, they do have some size on that team. Um, they, they got a, they got a couple of, uh, Euro big men on that team. They got a couple of interesting prospects on that team. So the, the, they've got – They've got some players. I mean, this could be uh, a game where this team's been playing pretty well, and and you know, Tennessee's got to fit itself. And and I I just you know, Grant, is there anything about this that does make sense to you before we get out of here? Is there anything about this that you're like, okay, I get that? Because because with me right now, I'm looking at that and I'm going, I don't know what I just saw against Cincinnati. I I just I didn't it, it didn't look like anything what I expected it to look like. You've really sent me down a rat hole here of uh, get better academy and stay awful academy, and they're like there's three academies in town, and what, the what, third one what, what, is just you know what, the worst what, of the worst academy. Yeah, well, I mean, what do we do? We we slept like what three or four hours of peace tops last yeah, night. So this is the product. Yeah, th- this is what happens. I just it, it's interesting to me that 
uh, Tennessee is in this place because I just when you look at what it was going into that break before the finals and what it's looked like since then, um, I, I can't really make heads heads from tails with no, it. No, I, I can't either. It makes sense because you watch them and you see how these older guys that have been around are struggling, all of them in their own separate ways. Uh, but it doesn't make sense because you've seen these guys play well enough to expect so much different uh, from them. Uh, they know how to play the game. They, they've played it at this level for a while. Uh, they've shown, you know, over the years what they can do in spurts. You know, some of these guys consistently producing uh, some former six men of the year candidates and, and winners on this team. And, uh, and no, I mean, it makes sense because when you watch them, yeah, they're, they're all struggling at once and they're all struggling their own different ways. And it doesn't make sense because you've seen enough from them that they should be better basketball players right now, which, which makes you believe uh, they'll figure it out. And, and until they string a lot of those games together defensively where they're awful, then I think they can kind of go back to the average of, of what they had shown over the first nine games. And, and maybe that helps them. Uh, but until further notice, man, they're struggling on both ends of the floor, and, and they got to find an identity right now because it's a, it seems like an identity crisis. Yeah, and and, and uh, everyone is already very well aware of this, but uh, Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield are not walking through that door. Uh, and, and those five-star babies don't come in until next year, uh, except for Josiah Jordan-James, who's already there. But, I mean, you know, maybe Vescovi helps. Maybe, maybe they get some things turned around. But, you know, they're going to have to look at what they have right now and they're going to have to get more from that, and, and that's that. That's where they are. I think that's probably a pretty good place to leave it. Grant, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this thing up, and uh, maybe by the time we have a, the next basketball podcast, we'll have some some more answers for the peoples. It'll, it'll be sunshine and rainbows and Wisconsin coming to town or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be oof. better days ahead. When you look at some of those Wisconsin games historically and then you look at the way Tennessee's playing offense right now I'm already getting shivers <laughs> thinking about that so buckle up baby yeah I think I think uh, Patrick Brown and I will be in the air to Jacksonville when that's happening so uh maybe I'll, maybe I came out with a win there I'm not really sure anyways Grant uh thanks for joining us man and we'll uh we'll, we'll do this again here in a few days see you later happy holidays everybody see look at that Grant Ramey being a really nice guy and telling everyone happy holidays he has it in him after all that's like the most pleasant thing I think I've ever heard Grant Ramey say. I really I really do. I think that's the most pleasant thing that he's ever said. And that's a really positive way to end a podcast that had a lot of, not negativity, but a lot of real talk, a lot of confusion. It is what it is right now, guys. You can find all of us, as always, on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can also get Ryan Callahan on Twitter at Ryan Callahan 24-7 and Patrick Brown at P. Brown 24-7. You can get to all of us uh, through social media without just, if you just want the Tennessee stuff, just Tennessee, nothing personal, nothing else, just falls all the time. You can go to twitter.com slash govals 24-7 and get that. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where Ramey does an awesome job kind of spearheading our Facebook plan of attack there. He does a great job there. Or you can go directly to the source. Get that delicious East Tennessee Mountain Spring Water right there at GoVols247.com. It's a great time to do it for the holidays. We'll have some specials coming up around the holidays again. We just had a couple of good ones. We'll have another couple of good ones here coming up. Uh, but you can do that right now. And if you do that, you get free access to CBS All Access, the Rolls-Royce package of that. You get all the CBS shows, live sports, live college sports, SEC sports, live NFL football, all kinds of good stuff there. You get that for free 
if you go to GoVols247 and you subscribe to us. So go do that. And I'm not sure whether we're recording this podcast or or releasing this one or the football one first. So uh, we're either going to see you later on Friday or we're going to see you on Monday morning. But either way, until then, y'all be good. See you.